Thank you, Casey. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all here. Um, today, my passage came from Mark 10, 52. Okay, it's uh, on page 823. This is a story of the blind man, blind man get healed, Bartimaeus. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd. They were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of the Lord. So we're living the 21st century Entry full of change. Our world is changing rapidly. The society is on the move. Every day we experience something new. I could still remember growing up, I have this 28-inch TV. I thought it was massive, this giant TV cube. And I enjoyed watching the very limited TV programs 20 years ago. But now, if you go to the store today, you can see all these fancy TVs with 70, 82, 86, even 90-inch screen that's as thin as a laptop. Some of them even curves. I don't even know why, but very fancy. You see the dramatic change over the years, and there are thousands of TV programs and platforms running on the smart TV. You can connect it to YouTube, you can connect it to your computer, and do a lot of things. And I am often amazed by how much things can change. And I dare to say a truth that the only thing remains unchanged is that there's always going to be change in life. But some of the changes in the world are good, like technology advancement but some of them are not so good. And it's just this not-so-good change can scare us at times. So admittedly, we live in this changing world. Our life can be very unpredictable. There are joys and sorrows. There's blessings and difficulties. There are times for us to be happy. There are times of grief. There is life and there is death. But 
there are times these changes can come unexpectedly and really strike you hard. Living in this changing world, I have a question. Where do we find our peace and security? Do we have faith to deal with this challenge? And what is the comfort and hope in the midst of all the change and turmoil? Here I have a story for you. Horatio Spafford, he is a good friend and supporter of Minister Moody. Himself was a very successful attorney, as well as a very popular real estate investor. And he lost a great fortune in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. And right after that, his beloved four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Thinking about a trip will do his family some good, so he sent his beloved wife and four daughters to England on a vacation, hoping that will take their minds off the tragedies a little bit. And when the and, and he was staying behind because he's dealing with some pressing business, and he plans on joining them afterwards. And while, while the ship was crossing the Atlantic Ocean, a terrible collision occurred, and the ship sunk. More than 100 people lost their lives, including all four of his precious daughters. His wife, Anna, made it to England, and immediately she sent a telegraph to her husband, saved alone. What shall I do? Horatio immediately set sail for England, and at one point during his voyage, the captain of the ship was aware of He called Horatio when the ship was passing the spot when the, that shipwreck had occurred. As Andrew thought about the, his kids, the tragedies, the overwhelming grief he was experiencing, and yet his faith was not overcome by the worldly suffering, and instead, comfort and hope from the Lord filled his heart and he wrote them down, and they have since become the well-beloved hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know, it is well, well with my soul. The truth is, in one way or another, we are like Horatio, deeply troubled, unpredictables in this world. Ever since sin came into this world through Adam and Eve, all of us subject to the brokenness of the world, we all experience in one way or another our own pain, trauma, fear, disease, illness, and oftentimes, facing great difficulties in life, we found ourselves powerless. There's not much we can do. 
and we are just tremendously bothered by this deeply troubled world. And the question laying in front of us is, how do we deal with it? Do we have faith in God's goodness in the midst of suffering and trials? And are we able to find our own comfort and hope and still say, my soul? So in this passage, it happened toward the end of Jesus' ministry. He was going to Jerusalem. He passed by this city called Jericho, which is a very um, significant city. This is the very first city Joshua conquered when he led the Israelites into the land of Canaan. And it is by this city on the roadside there was this nobody called Bartimaeus. And he was begging to make a life and begging during Jesus' time is very prevalent. This is a background knowledge. It's very prevalent, and it's increasingly so in our world today as well. And this man, Bartimaeus, was an outcast from his family. Because in a Jewish society, family normally take care of people who have difficulties. And here, apparently, Bartimaeus did not have family to care for him, and he was left on the street. He was this underprivileged, humiliated figure in the society, possessing no skills for life, struggling at the bottom of the social class. And on top of that, he's blind, and he was considered disabled. Here is another interesting thing. During Jesus' time, a certain illness is considered a, a severe punishment from God because either Bartimaeus sinned greatly or his parents or his family committed great sin. So he has to pay for them. Either way, he was deemed as this unholy, this forgotten, this humiliated person. And Nobody cared about him. Nobody listened to him. But it is just this man, when he heard Jesus passed by, he was overwhelmed with excitement, and he jumped on his feet, and he followed the crowd. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He shouted out loud to the Lord. Surprisingly, Bartimaeus seemed to know Jesus very well, even though he never met or have, had never seen Jesus. Here is an interesting thing. In the scripture, people's names are not normally recorded unless they are of significance. And here this nobody, his name, Bartimaeus, was written in the scripture because he's a person of great faith. He is a great example for the disciples and even Christians today. But even that, a person of great faith, his request to talk with Jesus was met with rebuke, hostility, and discouragement from the disciples and many people around Jesus. People told him, be silent, shut up, 
don't talk. It is just like one of those scenes you see a dignitary figure coming in town, like a mayor or a governor or even a president coming to visit the local government, the leader, desperately keep away those beggars, homeless people, have them kept away. And here, Bartimaeus was a homeless beggar, and he was deemed as an eyesore and was to be immediately removed from the public presence. And no one cared about his needs or bothered to listen to him. Perhaps there are times in our life we feel like our lives are similar to Bartimaeus. We are not listened to. We are, um, we are marginalized. We are forgotten. Our prayers are unanswered. And nobody listens to our voices and we are hurting by ourselves and suffer great loneliness. At least for myself, I grew up in a Christian family in the underground churches in China. I felt like a nobody. And we are the unwelcome in the society because of our personal faith. And I have to live in my small bubble, small little world, which is a church, because we're not popular in the society. And there's really not much possibilities for us to express our faith to people in public. And there's not much we can do to save us from the persecution from the government that hates religion. In the U.S. Um, slang, I say, I can't pull myself up by my bootstraps. So I just completely felt hopeless and forgotten, just like Bartimaeus. And matter of fact, I was even in a closer situation than he was. Because when I was in my uh, middle school, I had double retinal detachments and I lost my vision for a number of months. And that was a dark, dark, dark moment of my life, literally dark moment of my life. I thought I was abandoned by God. And I thought there was no hope for me in this society. Because without seeing, I could not accomplish my education. I would not finish um, my homework or school and to graduate or even find a job in the future to support myself. And I felt like I'm devout in this darkness. Even the church members urged me to repent of all my sins. They said, you must have sinned severely, so you got this retribution from God. You must repent of all your sins so you can reconcile with God and subsequently be cured. And that was shocking to me. And for the longest time, I did not go to church because I thought people were very judgmental. And I suffered the retinal detachment because I w was involved in an in impact. Someone ran on the playground in the school and knocked me off, and I had this retinal detachment. And why has that to do with me sin severely? And absolutely, the church people wouldn't listen to my voice. And I was even feeling I was abandoned by God. I struggle with isolation and loneliness because I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. And
and I felt like my prayers for months had gone unresponded. And there was this dead silence from him. So at the end of the day, it's a true reality that we live in today's world. We feel at times insignificant, hurt, ignored, and marginalized. And perhaps there are times we feel like our prayers are not answered. And there are times we feel like God does not listen to us. And I dare to ask, and I dare to say that there is not a lot of us that doesn't struggle with brokenness, illness, trauma, pains, or fear, or insecurity in life. I dare say all of us do in one way or another. But at the end of the day, I get to ask a question. Is it really that God has abandoned us? And why is it that God didn't seem to listen to our prayers. And when Bartimaeus' fer fervent passion was met with hostility, with apathetic reaction from the disciples and the people around Jesus, instead he was not given up. He, what he did was he shouted even more. He was even more fervent in doing Jesus and yelled at everybody, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And don't forget the fact he's blind. He's a beggar. And there wasn't much means for him to really approach Jesus. He could not stand up on his own feet and find Jesus because he couldn't see. And there were a lot of people surrounding Jesus, the disciples, the crowds that coming after Jesus asking for blessings. And these people around Jesus formed a natural barrier that blocks Bartimaeus away. As a blind person, without any help, being looked down, he had no means to approach Jesus. And yet he did not give up. He just kept shouting and shouting and yelling, asking Jesus, pursuing him to help, to help. And there's another interesting fact. By calling Jesus son of David, Bartimaeus was actually exposing himself to great danger. Because we all know at that time the Israelites were under Roman Empire. They were ruled by the Gentiles. And Bartimaeus calling Jesus son of David. David is a king. By calling him son of David, Bartimaeus is proclaiming Jesus is in the King David line. He's a king. Calling him king is a betrayal to the Roman Empire, and he can be put into jail and accused of traitory and be executed immediately. And yet, he's not afraid of doing that. And he wasn't even bothered by that. His whole heart and mind was on Jesus. He just thought about how he can get to Jesus, and yet his relentless effort got Jesus' attention. He called Bartimaeus to him. The scripture had a detailed description. Bartimaeus threw aside his cloak and jumped on his feet 
and came to Jesus. It's very interesting. This city, Jericho, is extremely hot and dry, perhaps like my wife's hometown, Texas. You are not, never going to see someone wearing down jacket on the street or something like that. So in such a city, he does not need a cloak. And the reason he kept it is because it's a tool for him to attack. He puts the cloak down on the floor, on the ground, spreads it out so people can throw the money on it to help him. But throwing away the cloak, he no longer needs this cloak. He's ending his old lifestyle, and he had the confidence that he no longer needs to come back to beg. And he knew he's going to have a new life that's going to be given by Jesus to him. There was this great faith there. And when Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus answered, Rabbi, I want to see. Here is another interesting thing. He used the word rabbi. In Greek, it's rabboni. It's a very rare and reverent form to address a person. It's rarely used. By calling Jesus, clearly Bartimaeus knew Jesus very well. He knew who he was. He knew what he can do. And calling him rabbi, he's humbling himself. And he paid great respect to Jesus. And, and it's interesting, he's, Jesus is asking the very obvious thing, what, what can I do for you? Obviously, he wants to see, but why does Jesus ask that? If you look closely to the scripture, a couple passages before this text, John and James were led by their mother to Jesus. And their mother asked, Jesus, I want my two kids to sit on your left and right side of you. And at that time, the disciples and a lot of people that followed Jesus did not think he was God, the Son of God. They think him as a coming Messiah, this coming king to save them from the suppression of the Roman Empire so they can overthrow this country and they can establish a new Israelite. Uh, Israel kingdom and he will be the king sitting on the right side or left side of the king means they're going to be given prominent position in this kingdom so clearly James and John and the, the mother they were after power prominence or wealth and you can see there are details Describing the disciples were arguing against James and John. They were not happy when they asked for to be sit on the right and left side of Jesus. These disciples, a lot of them followed Jesus because they were after something. They thought Jesus can give them the earthly blessings. But Bartimaeus was different. He wanted to see so he can follow Jesus. So he can become his disciples. And he knows Jesus is the Son of God. He is God. He has the power. That's why he say, I want to see, because he can perform miracles. This is a great irony, because when Bartimaeus was blind, he can see more clearly than anybody else in his spirit. When the disciples were not blind, but they're literally blind in their spirit, Jesus is right in front of us, performing so many miracles. They still thought about him being the Messiah coming to save them from the earthly 
suppression and give them this earthly prominence or blessings or whatever you name it. And certainly, when Bartimaeus asked to be able to see and it was given to him, his vision was restored. Sure enough, through his prayer, his persistent pursuit of Jesus, Christ brought him into his kingdom. So today, a big calling from Jesus to his disciples, which is us, is not to pursue earthly blessings or only focus on the eternal hope, is to persevere in this world. During difficult times, firmly trusting the Lord and persistently seek after him. Our faith, a big part of it is perseverance, endurance, and sanctification. As we still live in this world, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus himself was a great example in endurance and perseverance because he came into this world, he didn't just snap his finger and have us saved. He chose to be a human being, went through all these trials that we are experiencing today. He defeated the temptation from the devil. He sustained the evil scheme from the Pharisees. And he endured the torture and the humiliation from the Romans. And yet, he was not discouraged. He had overcome the world. So today, when we are experiencing seasons of our lives, we felt like being in great darkness like Bartimaeus. It's important to remember the fact that suffering is almost promised. We live in this world, we will have trouble because the world is broken, it's sinful. Suffering is unavoidable. But how we see it is important. Suffering is a means God uses to refine our faith, to strengthen our relationship. If there is one person living on the earth that, has, that is free from suffering, that's free from any pains, anxieties, troubles, fears, he does not need God. Trust me, he doesn't. And it's exactly through these things, they reminded us we are not in charge. We got to depend on the Lord. And it's also important to remember that we are not forgotten or abandoned, even if it feels like it. Because during this, during Bartimaeus' fervent pursuit of Jesus, he was met with hostility, rejection, discouragement, and he pressed on. So today, we ought to look at our lives. We are born in Christian families. We could grow up going to Christian schools. We can attack, attend every single literally every single Sunday service, and yet at the end of the day, we could not have much faith. We, can, we could possess only little faith like the disciples following Jesus 24-7 for years. So it's important we truly know and truly understand God's calling of us is to persevere in this world, to face the suffering and with this hope that eventually 
we will overcome it because Christ has given us this promise. He has overcome it, and we have eternity. The, the final victory, we have already won. But yet, when we are still living in this suffering world, put our eyes on Jesus. So, again, I want to emphasize that our personal faith is not a mere ticket to go to heaven. Our faith is not an effective way to avoid hell, or our faith is not a practical approach to secure blessings from the earth and the kingdom to come. It's not seeking after all of this. It is about this, but more than that. You hear what I'm saying? Our faith is more than about salvation and blessings. It's about following Jesus. It's about extending this love to one another, live out this mission, and bring more people into this kingdom. So this is, we see this comparison between Bartimaeus seeking after salvation, the true blessing, and the disciples pursuing after prominence, power, or whatever you name it. So here I want to challenge us to introspect on our lives and ask ourselves, after being Christian this long, do we have the faith to persistently call on Jesus during challenging time? Do we know what is the real important thing to pursue in our journey with Christ? What we, and at the end of the day, our present suffering in the book of Romans says, our present sufferings are not worse comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So we ought to know that our suffering in this world equips us with the ability to be compassionate, with the ability to rely on God. The suffering gives us this assurance that God has won and we have hope and victory in the future. And today, as we live our lives, I hope when we see the sufferings and pains and trials, we don't look at them complaining why is this happening to me? Or blaming this onto other people because of COVID, because of this or that, I'm suffering and I'm very upset. I'm not saying these things don't bother us. They do. But when we live in this world, having these things persevere, endure, and know that there is hope in the future, living present, depending on God. And when we experience suffering, let us not forget others that are suffering that are underprivileged, marginalized, forgotten. When, you, when we experience these sufferings, it gives us the ability to, to love more, to be more compassionate. That's precisely why Jesus chooses to do a ministry that's incarnational. That's why he chooses to go through all the suffering. So he understands every suffering we literally are experiencing now. I just challenge all of us to live a positive attitude and demonstrate Christian faith and hope and victory. Let us pray. Dear gracious God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for being this loving God, for your redemption, your compassion, for going through the suffering yourselves. So you'll understand what we are experiencing. And I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. May you give them the endurance, perseverance, 
and the strength to see through these sufferings and see your love that is over all of these. And I pray for compassion, for love to be given to us so we can love better and live out a strong Christian life that's victorious. And we thank you, Lord. We also pray for all of the brothers and sisters that are going through suffering. May you give them comfort and hope and help them to remember your grace is sufficient and it is well with their soul as well. And we pray for all of this in your holy and wonderful name. Amen.